Happy day, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the What the Niche podcast, and I am your host, Andrew Morris. In this week's episode, my guests and I, and yes, I said guests, um, this week will be a little bit different where I will have two individuals and we'll be talking about this one very important thing to me, music. It's the joyful passenger who got you through the last leg of a long road trip. It's the supportive force which got you through the last mile of your run. The inspiration for those warm pieces of therapy running down your cheeks. The brilliant and bright rays of sunshine warming your heart on those cold winter days. The infectious party favor who gets everyone up on their feet. The background cheerleader that helps you bust out another paper at the last minute. The tender kiss which lulls your most loved little ones off to otherworldly realities. And the fond remembrance from a precious moment in time. And music will never leave you. Never let you down. Never fail to motivate you. Never quit inspiring you. And never stop its ability to amaze you. The unifying power of music is demonstrated in the sing-along of Queen's epic masterpiece, Bohemian Rhapsody, where in which 65,000 fans at a Green Day concert at Hyde Park in London, England, chose to belt out their best rendition of the song in complete unison. So much of my life has been centered around music, it would be impossible for me to fully articulate everything it means to me. But there is one particular moment in my life to which I owe music the greatest debt of gratitude. My father passed away when I was 30 years old. My dad was not a tourist with me because he was always there. And the end of his life was the most arduous thing I've ever had to endure. I watched as the superhero of my youth faded into oblivion. I'd never felt so helpless or scared. As I write this, the keyboard is covered with droplets of the past. Those tears not of sorrow, but of beautiful reverie. For the last moment I have with my father is one salvaged by my beautiful passenger. My mother and I sat there next to my pops, and I said, I bet he wouldn't mind hearing a little music. I looked up one of his favorite tunes by Sir Elton John, a little ditty called Funeral for a Friend. And at this point, my father had spent much of his days in a state of confusion and frustration because of the medications he was on and because he had a tube down his throat. 
Oftentimes when I visited with him, I felt as though I was a ghost. Someone who echoed connections to memories he couldn't understand. But as those first few notes from the piano reverberated off those hospital walls, I saw a shining recognition in my father's eyes. He squeezed my hand and offered a slight smile as those first few lines danced from Elton's mouth. The roses in the window box have tilted to one side. Everything about this house was born to grow and die. I felt the tapping of my dad's finger against my hand as his head began to sway in rhythm. I didn't know this at the time, but that would be the last time I would ever see my father alive. And I'm thankful. In those few short moments, I saw the cape tearing through the wind. As the superhero of a man I remembered as a child, smiled at me with true recognition. I no longer felt like a spirit in my dad's eyes, because I knew again he recognized his son. And I was filled with all the love a parent can offer their child. And with that heartfelt recollection, that brings me to this week's guest. The first of which being Kyle Tipton. He is an educator, musician, horror enthusiast, and overall fantastic dude. Our conversation covers his childhood and some of the artists who inspired him growing up. And Kyle is a perfect example of what it means to be outside of the box because he demonstrates he has a metaphorical foot in many different areas of interest. And I hope you enjoy a conversation between a good old country boy and a city boy like myself. And I'm going to kick off our conversation with one of Kyle Tipton's own original tunes, Reason or the Rhyme. City streets just leaving. Not care about the daylight I've been given. Search for the truth, but ain't got none. Not sure if this kind of life's for me. Everything around me is overrated. People are, they're purposely complicated. Something got lost in translation. Is it just in my head or how it's supposed to be? Cause sometimes I feel like settling down and showing a girl the world. But how can you do it in a place where they don't know Johnny Cash or Merle? Travis tapes I was gonna give you all that you could take 
But I'm here alone You're just another girl I know Do you think I learned that lesson by now? Tipton. I teach at Dallas High School. I teach social studies and also on the side I'm a professional musician and I play a lot of country. I like a lot of old rock and roll so it's about me right now. So <laughs> Yeah right on go. dude. Yeah. Um, so maybe uh, maybe tell these people how we know each other because I think it's interesting. Yeah so yeah I met Andrew um, at Dawes. Um, we came in like at the same time. So last year was your first year at DOS, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. It came in the first time with, you know, coming into DOS at the same time. And, um, yeah. Um, I know that knew that Andrew taught English and everything. And then we got to talking and, um, actually I noticed, uh, your, uh, your Hellraiser, your pinhead, uh, tattoo, I think like on your forearm or what, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, once I saw that, I was like, Whoa, like, this dude's definitely into horror. So, um, you know, definitely into movies and entertainment, a lot of stuff that I'm into. So definitely should talk to this guy. So, and we've kind of been doing the same thing kind of ever since just talking, um, movies, music, um, what have you. So, yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. That, that was, uh, anybody that's into horror is always going to an immediate end with me, you know, cause obviously like you said, if I'm, uh, crazy enough about something to put like, not just one, I have, multiple horror tattoos on my arm that, you know, that's, that's a pretty good end with me. And then I, I, right. I saw you wear some, like, um, we'll get into this a little bit more later about some things that might surprise people. So I'll kind of save that. But he wore a couple t-shirts that kind of drew me in. Um, I was like, Oh snap, we need to talk about this too, but I'll save that for later. Um, gotcha. I like to kick these conversations off just because I think it's a, it's a good segue into these different niches. Um, and, with you playing country music, what are some of the things that people might assume about you or some of the misconceptions that might exist, not only with country music as a whole, like my dog and my pickup truck type stuff, but things right. that people have assumed more about you specifically that you've encountered that maybe you could clear up not only about you, but maybe as the genre as a whole. Yeah. I mean, I think when people, yeah, it's, it's tough to say because like when I say that what I do is country, that can mean, a lot of things to different people. So like we were saying, and this is kind of how I thought a lot of like modern country is growing up. You think of like pickup trucks, red solo cups, um, what have you, America, the, the farm, the dog, your tractor, be able to think like that's about it. But, um, and kind of, I think what I do is that I just think like country music is more about telling the truth. Like, the truth about your feelings, how you're feeling at that time and uh, kind of just doing something that means something to you and whatever elements come into that um, can all be a part of it. And also, it also can be about like where you came from and the feelings of that area. 
um, socioeconomic status or um, anything like that. I mean, I, I just don't think it's as limited as people might think. And that's just kind of what I try to kind of break through. If people, if people do have like some misconceptions about what country music is or what they think country, you know, country music is all about. Yeah. And it, it's important. You know, I say, again, I realize when I said it, that maybe you could clear up some things about country in general. I realize you can't do that. Cause like you said, country is something different to you, you know, right. whether that be Sturgill Simpson and uh, everybody's um, I feel like who's in, in the same mindset as you, like the new hero is Tyler Childers. And I yeah. think a lot of what the allure with his music, um, I am not like a huge fan, but I'm well aware of his music. There are some songs of his that I really enjoy. There's so many of my friends that like him that I would be, mm-hmm. <laughs> it would have been impossible for me not to listen to a couple of, of his tunes. Um, yeah. But I think truth is a big part of that. And that takes you back to like, those old dudes for me, which is like what I consider country, like George Jones, Hank Williams, uh, from yeah. Johnny Cash. I mean, Johnny Cash was one of the the greatest truth tellers, and I didn't mm. think his voice was incredible, but, but that wasn't the point. Um, right. And so often it's not like if you listen to the blues or you listen to some jazz uh, with you know actual singers and vocals and things of that nature. A lot of times it's really not as much about the vocals, but more about the story and the truth in the story. Um, so I think that's, a, that's an amazing point that you make there. Um, now, I know that you've just started. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that you're relatively new to playing shows and everything like that. But yeah. as, as far as you've been thus far, what's been, what's been the dopest thing that you've, you've had happen with your music career thus far? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, for sure. I was definitely just on a good roll. Um, getting shows booked and things just like in different places too. Like I had shows in Indiana. I had, um, you know, a few, like a few lined up here in Ashland. So I was spanning like a pretty broad range, um, you know, all across the state. So, um, yeah, it was, it, I mean, it was going well, like, uh, had some friends come out to the shows and, um, getting really good feedback and everything. And, uh, people wanted to keep me on the schedule, but like, but I'd say like the dopest thing I think for sure was that last show um, before all this like started happening um, here in Ashland, because that was like, I mean, the pl- the place was packed. There's a lot of people that I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen in a long time, uh, had some family come out and everything. And um, yeah, I mean, I was just having a good time. I mean, like you, you just saw like, the um i saw a lot of people that like i played baseball with like in high school that i hadn't seen in a long time and um yeah and we were just like hanging like old times and i think that's just kind of like a testament to this to this area it's like you may like know some people and then you you form a good bond with them but like we all went off to like different places like they either stayed here they went to lexington some went to louisville for college and stuff like that but um once we got back together it was definitely the same kind of vibe. We were all just like hanging, hanging out, um, you know, drinking beer and stuff like that. And just, just, you know, just having a good time. So, um, I think that was definitely like the highlight to me. It was just like coming home and, um, playing music and doing what I really like to do and having fun doing it. So I think that was definitely the the coolest thing so far. It feels like, it feels like you just wrote a song about that experience just now. (laughs) <laughs> maybe, yeah yeah maybe you should have had a pen out or whatever yeah, yeah. 
put a guitar in your hand as soon as we're done with this interview. Get that yeah. down. Get that down on paper. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. I know that uh, that was probably similar to my experience too. I, I, I know I talk about it quite a bit, but I mean, it was a big part of my life playing in a metal band for seven years. And uh, we played shows all over the area too. We played right outside Lexington. We played up three hours in Indiana uh, at this little old school theater. Uh, we played in Salem. We played right outside of Indy. Uh, we played in Bowling Green. Played shows all over, but yeah, oftentimes there was nothing better than being back here in front of a crowd of your closest friends, like my brother and my sister, and my 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 mom and dad would often come to shows, uh, even though with it being metal, you that's how you knew they loved me. Uh, they put up with <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. they put up with the the screaming of it, which is what I did. And uh, yeah, those shows always felt great. And and I know that uh, a lot of times when big bands come and play for their hometown, you know, and they're used to playing for thirty, forty thousand people, even still when they come home, they're like, "There's nothing like being home." Right. And, uh, exactly. I think there's a lot to be said for any musician. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's a great point, man. Um, mm -hmm. So, playing country, I, I know that uh, it's one of those things like uh, what you were talking about with those misconceptions and. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the comedian Bo Burnham. Oh, yeah. No, I love Bo. Yeah. <laughs> Bo Burnham's got a bit on it. The cold beer, dark mm -hmm. night, and yeah, uh, pandering, I think is what it's called. Yeah. And uh, it, it's perfect. It perfectly encapsulates all that. Um, since you've been a fan of country music when you were a kid, uh, I know that you're 26. So, I mean, you're relatively young. But even then, in 26 years in that span, um, what are some of the changes that you've seen in country music? and are you a fan of how it's changed? Do you understand the change? Uh, and how do you think it's going to change from here on out with people like Tyler Childers coming to the forefront? Yeah, no, that's, it's, yeah, it's definitely interesting uh, to look at. So yeah, I, I do. Cause I'm a fan of like all eras, um, basically of country music. So like, I would say like Hank Williams was like, that was the, he was the inventor of country music. There was like, there was stuff that they called hillbilly music back in like the twenties and thirties and you know, into the forties and stuff like that. But I think what we know today um, as country music can just be traced back to Hank Williams. So going from there. Um, yeah. Like growing up, I was listening to like what you said, like uh, Johnny cash, um, a lot of like Merle Haggard and stuff like that. And I didn't even really can call it country music because the country music that I had grown up around, like the Toby Keith's and mm -hmm. stuff like that had changed so drastically. I didn't even like see those like things together. So, I mean, uh, I, I kind of look at all eras and I can see like a good and bad, um, and all of it. Like I love the old stuff and that's like the stuff that I always turn to. Um, but there's like a lot, a lot of new names that are on the radio today that I like, but a lot of stuff I don't like. So like, I like a lot of like nineties country and stuff like that. Like I'm not, I'm not like a huge purist or something like that. Like I'm like, I'm not a person that's like, if, it, if this doesn't sound like Tyler Childers or whatever, <laughs> like, you know, you know, the heck with it. Like I, I'm kind of a guy, like I could still get down to Alan Jackson, you know? Dude, like yeah. That. yeah. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Shania Twain's come on over album. Oh yeah. I jammed the shit out of that. I went to her concert. I had a girlfriend when I was uh 16. I'm showing my age a little bit, but I was working uh, in Kentucky Kingdom and she's like, You wanna go see Shania Twain? And I was like, uh yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. 
hey man yeah gotta take those opportunities when, when they come but uh yeah like i like i mean like luke combs is like the biggest probably the biggest guy in country music right now and he's filling like arenas and he's pretty popular and like i enjoy him and um and it's like dude i I'm definitely not offend, like offended by that Bo Burnham bit. When that thing came out, I thought that was hilarious, the whole pandering thing, because like, dude, that's not, like, I just see that when a music gets so popular, you're going to have like pop artists in whatever genre trying to pander to as many people as they want. Like that's their job to be pop stars. And like, that's going to happen and, and identify with it. And I mean, it's just whoever's choice. If you want to, if you want to listen to that, that's fine. But like, I don't, I don't judge people for it. Like I don't judge people that like listen to Luke Bryan or something. I don't go like, Oh, you, you're freaking stupid, man. You listen to like Luke Bryan and all that trash. Like, like I don't like it. Like, it's just not something that I really identify with, but if you want to listen to that, that's cool with me. So I'm, I'm fine with where it's evolved. When something gets so popular like that, I just feel like that's just kind of like inevitable. But um, I think in regards to what you were referring to with the whole, like, like a guy like Tyler Childers, um, I think when Chris Stapleton got really big mm. back in like 2015 and became like the biggest thing in country really um, with Tennessee whiskey and stuff. I mean, if you go to any place and play Tennessee whiskey, like the whole place is going to like get up and dance. Like it's crazy, you know, and funny. That was like originally a George Jones song, but, um, but you know, I think like the whole roots sounding thing, it opened up a lot of doors for people like Tyler Childers and, Sturgill Simpson kind of predated Chris Stapleton in that way, but um, like as far as getting big and everything, but um, you know, he got really popular right at like even bigger after that. So I think you're going to see a lot more people go into that sound. And I think you're seeing a lot, a lot of people get bigger um, kind of because of it. Like, so I think you're going to see like a new wave of people kind of going in that direction for sure. I think like, is, is the Nashville pop sound going to be there? Yeah, I mean, it's still going to be there because that's, you know, it's so popular and it's it's a really powerful entity. But I think you're going to see a lot of people coming out of the woodwork um, in these next few years, kind of making that same kind of style. So I think we have a lot to look forward to in that aspect. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 really, it's interesting to me to see this resurgence of a bare bones, stripped down version of music. Yeah. You know, when we know that things can be so highly processed and, you know, you have this uh, in pop music and rap music and hip hop, you have the auto tune and everything's heavily produced on that end. And it's, it's all yeah. really super polished. And now you got huge bands, not just in country music, but you have like this resurgence of, folk music uh, with oh, bands sure. with bands like the Lumineers. They're super stripped down. I absolutely adore them. Uh, and I think it's really great. And their shows are really fun. Uh, there's no BS. There's no like synth music or any of that. It's a piano, uh, uh, a fiddler, uh, a guitar player, a drummer. And that's really it. And it's just really nice to see those things stripped down. Or you could see, um, I went and saw Zach Brown. Uh, at Rump Arena right before all this stuff kind of hit the hit the the fan. And they do, on their new album, a lot of people have been a little bit upset. The Owl, there's a lot oh, of a sure. very <laughs> pop vibe to it. But I'm cool with that because Zach Brown has always been one of those acts that's really pushed and bent the genre. Uh, mm-hmm. They The last time I saw them uh, at uh, the Yum Center, they brought out a rap artist. Uh, this British, this British oh, black wow. dude, and he came out and he was like, and I was like, what is happening? This is amazing. Wow. 
And yeah. for that, you know, country music, that's not necessarily what you think. And I thought that that was really cool. But a guy named one of my favorite artists, Amos Lee, he opened up um, for Zach Brown and he came out just him and a guitar. 25,000 people. And he sat down in a stool with him and his guitar and told the crowd, he's like, y'all yell some stuff out and I'll play it. <laughs> and just came out and owned it. Like he has such belief yeah. in his voice and such com He's so comfortable uh, that he was able to come out and do that. And I think that's amazing. Uh, I know George Strait has been known to do that similar kind of stuff. I know mm -hmm. that uh, Jamie Johnson's like that. Um, and why, while I might not love all the, those people's music, uh, I respect the shit out of the fact that they're able to just come out there, strip it completely down to the, to the heart of it, just a, a tune and a voice and put it out there for people. I think it's incredible. Yeah, no, that's definitely powerful. Yeah, no, I've seen like uh, Tyler Childers definitely does that too. Um, speaking of, you know, has the band go away, plays like um, two or three songs, like three or four songs just by himself. And um, like, and people are waiting for it. Like they can't wait for him just to be like, just him on the stage, just like stripped down. So um, yeah, I definitely like the feel as well because like kind of going back, I feel like at the heart, like that's what country music is. Like, it's just, you're like, you're listening to maybe like this person and their story or them conveying a story and it's supposed to be like real and right in front of you. So I think like when um, kind of like those artists do that, um, it, it becomes just like really powerful. So yeah, I definitely enjoy when people like strip it down and do like an acoustic version and um, of any song that they want to do, like usually, and like, I like to see that contrast where it's like, if you hear a song that's usually with the band and how that sounds and it's like, okay, let's see like how they can do it. Just like, just with them. And you know, you have your kind of like your whole um, other new experience with it. So yeah, I always think that's really cool. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. And I know like probably one of the biggest names of country music of all time. I mean, you can't talk about it without talking about Garth Brooks and yeah. um, we had saw him. He had done a, a series of shows in Nashville after they got flooded uh, and was doing the okay. benefit shows. And Again, I mean, six sold out shows sold out in like an hour in typical Garth Brooks fashion. And, right. um, you know, he's known for being such a showman. Like it's big, it's, you know, lots mm. of lights, big screens. But at, again, one part of the show, he, uh, people were holding up posters uh, of the songs that they wanted to hear. And he took everybody off the stage, single tight spotlight on him. And he says, I'm going to go around and I'm going to, the signs that I can see. He's like, I'm going to play those songs. And some of them, <laughs> I oh, loved wow. it. I loved that uh, this was like, this was the last show. It was the sixth show. And he had done six shows in three days. And as a musician, well, you know yeah. how much that takes out of you. Dude, so when he, was, when he was speaking, you could hear how raspy and hoarse his voice was. But then yeah. he would dip into the song and just sound flawless. Right. And uh, <laughs> he, he did this, the shit that professionals do. He's like, well, I ain't played this song a long time. I, I don't know how good it's going to be. And then just goes yeah. right into it. Sounds flawless. You're like, right, just, man. yeah, cool, bro. All right. Well, but it's, it's, you know, that self deprecating and that bit of being humble. You don't be like, of course I'm going to kill this. I'm Garth. Uh, right, exactly. but uh, yeah, even him is the big star as he is. And you know, he wasn't afraid in front of that big crowd to just strip it down. It was great. Yeah. So, yeah. um, 
what is something that an experience that you've had as a musician and, and you know again I know that you're in your humble beginnings, but that's what's beautiful about this conversation is kind of seeing that uh, that magic still in your eyes because, you know, as you do it for a long time, sometimes it kind of kills that fire. Right, um, yeah. But thus far, what has been something that's happened to you that was ridiculous? Something that you felt so stupid or something that really made you laugh and an encounter that you had some, with somebody at, at a show, something like that. That's funny you bring that up. Uh, I remember like the first show like you know that i that i did like my mic shorted out and it was like a it was like a brand new mic that i had just got and like in typical microphone fashion fashion it just kind of shorted out and stuff and like it was my first show so i was kind of like i wasn't nervous but like i didn't know really what to expect but then that happened i was like oh oh no and like but that wasn't a big thing but um in the moment it kind of was but <laughs> it's funny because like the let I mean, talking about a confrontation with the fan. Um, I joke around with my family about this all the time. So um, this, uh, I was in Ashland and um, they had me start at like seven and like your, your usual, usual bar crowd doesn't show up at seven. Right. Right. So, yeah. So it's like seven, seven thirty, and I'm, I'm in front of like, I'm maybe like my family and then 10 to 12, like old dudes who are just like, uh, sitting there like with their drinks and their Bud Lights and they're just like posting up, like just staring at me. And, uh, cause usually at a bar, you know, you have people that are listening, people doing their own thing, but they were all just like right there. So, you know, I was playing and stuff and like this guy comes up to me and I had noticed him like at the table and he's just like staring at me in the weirdest way. Like, and seems like disgruntled. He comes up to me and he's like, do you know any, uh, do you know the song, Mr. Bojangles? And I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm trying to be polite. Like, uh, yeah, but I, I don't, you know, I don't know how to play that one. Like if you want anything else, he's like, he's like, look it up on your phone. It's, it's pretty easy. You can probably work it out. He's like, play Mr. Bojangles. And he puts like a 20 in my tip jar. And like, he got like pretty like aggressive with me while I was like taking a break about playing it. I'm like, dude, like, I don't know the song. Like, I'm sorry. Like anything else that you want me to do, I can, I can play like pretty much like any old country or like whatever. And so he wants me to play Mr. Bojangles and like, I'm playing, like I'm just playing and he's still staring with staring, staring at me. Why don't we play this song called Mr. Bojangles? I don't know if you've ever heard this song, but like, there's like piano, there's this, there's that, like there's a lot of stuff going on and just Is me with a guitar. Counting Crows. Um, who is that? I think we do a version of it. It's like a song from the seventies. I can't even remember who's, you know, who doesn't that like who originally did it, but he, you know, he wanted me to play Mr. Bojangles really, really bad. And like, I didn't play it. And he ended, he ended up leaving after like just staring at me, just very disgruntled for a long time. And, you know, almost getting confrontational with me for a second. And like, so that was just like definitely weird, but like everything else has been great. But but now, like, anytime we're talking about music or something, I'll joke, like, with my mom, be like, well, will you play Mr. Bojangles? But, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just really weird. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a great show, great time. Yeah, that's but, something. You know, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. That's something as, as being in a metal band, uh, we never really had those kind of experiences. Yeah. Uh, because we weren't, like, our type of music wasn't, like, just to play in the background 
kind of thing for people that are like throwing back their whiskey shots at like Phoenix Hill Tavern or some shit like metals in your face and deserves your attention. Like, yes, it's going to punch you in the back of the head. And if you're not there for it, you're going to be really annoyed. If you don't want to hear it, you're not going to be able to tune it out. You can't have a conversation at a metal show. Hey, how are you? You're really cute. (laughs) Yeah. Try picking a girl up at a metal show. Good fucking Uh, luck. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Not the place for it. Hey, everybody smells like ass because it's Mm. usually sweaty and everybody's on top of each other and moshing. And yeah, it's just such a different dynamic. It's so interesting. Like I have friends that play in cover bands. Uh, I'm probably, I'm hoping to have uh, one of the young ladies who's in a band called Southern Sirens on. Uh, Kelsey, I'm calling you out. You better be on here. Uh, <laughs> she has an interesting story, so I really want to sit down and talk to her. Um, gotcha. But yeah, dude, it, we never really encountered that. Um, but interestingly enough, we played this this old venue, uh, my very first show ever. Uh, it was a place called The Lighthouse, and yeah. our drummer booked it because he knew his dad was friends with the owner of the bar, and the average age of our band was 19. Oh, geez. Yeah. So we were allowed to play the show, but we had to wear these wristbands. I was old enough to drink. I was 21. And the problem being is the majority of their friends were not 21. So we ended Mm -hmm. up playing our first show for just the bartender and one of the other people that worked at the bar. Legit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we treated it like a, uh, a practice with a really good sound system. Because the PA sounded great. So we were like, hey, we still sound good. Uh, so we just used this really good practice and threw down. Um, it was about as awful as it could get for a first show. But um, the next show was really great. We played for two, 300 people. And uh, so it, it worked out okay. But it was just hysterical. It was like, hey, yeah. who thought this through? It's like, you don't get to book shows anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It, it is just like a weird dynamic because yeah, because like all the shows growing up, like when I was in, like when I was going to college, all I did was go to metal shows and stuff like that. And I'm like being a huge metal head and uh, yeah, like metal is definitely something that, like you said, demands your attention and the people that are there, like have a deep obsession with the music. That's what's always been unique to me about metal is that these people like live for it, you know? So when I do these shows and I see people like, kind of like doing their own thing or something like that. I'm like, do they even care? Or like, do I suck or whatever? But like every single time it's like, you did great. Good job. Like, what? do you have a Facebook page? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I mean, and I, yeah, it's just like a different dynamic and it's a, from a different kind of like um, background than, uh, than definitely what I'm used to. But going back, kind of like the weird thing, like I was playing, like I was playing in uh, Indiana and, I had a weird request. Uh, this uh, woman comes up. She was like, this is kind of a shot in the dark, but can you play the Ghostbusters theme? And I'm like... <laughs> Ray Park Jr. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no. no. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, like, I told her, I was like, I never expected in my life like play the Ghostbusters theme. And like, she's like, well, yeah, my friend is like a huge fan. So we were just going to ask, but she's like, if you can't play that, can you play Dixie, Dixie land delight? I'm like, yeah, I can play that. So <laughs> that was like, constellation from yeah. one of the ends, <laughs> one end of the spectrum to the other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you actually beat me to the punch. I was going to bring up 
uh, some things that, you know, you might be into that might shock people. Again, coming back to those assumptions people make about country music, you know, yeah. and you, you started talking about metal. So what are, what are some of your favorite metal groups and like, how did you get into that? Yeah. So like my, my whole thing with, uh, yeah, with music is like, so I started out like listening to the Beatles in third grade and that's when I, that's when I really got into music. So I was listening to a lot of artists from like the sixties and the seventies. And, um, so I knew that I wanted to play guitar. Um, and I always, I was always singing, but I just like to sing cause, cause I loved it. I wasn't taking like, I wasn't taking like seriously guitar is what I want, really wanted to learn how to play. So, um, so I started getting into like seventies artists. So like I'm wearing a Led Zeppelin shirt right now. So like I started getting into like Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, like Kiss, um, ACDC was huge. And, um, even like 80s stuff like Guns N' Roses and like a lot of stuff my parents listened to. Like my, um, my dad was like way into all those, like the 70s stuff. He, he, like he showed me Kansas. I had never heard of Kansas before. And like he popped on carry on. Yeah. And, uh, like, and, uh, and typical, you know, like that's when I think of dad rock, like I think of Kansas cause my dad, you know, like it just kind of fits in there. So if you're going to um, talk any more about Kansas, I'm going to need you to rip the sleeves off that shirt right quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel that. I feel that. But uh, yeah, no more Kansas. But, uh, but so I, I wanted to play like heavy stuff. Like I, I like playing riffs and, and I started learning all that stuff. And so I went online, I just got into heavier and heavier music. So the seventies went and then like, as I got more into like seventies bands, um, I kind of went into the eighties and that's when I learned in middle school. That's when I, when I learned about like Iron Maiden and uh, like Judas Priest. And then like, Metallica. once I got way into metal, what'd you say? Metallica. Yeah. Metallica. Yeah, exactly. And so like, once I learned about all those bands, that's when I learned like about Metallica and I was buying guitar magazines and uh, learning about um, all of these like different guitarists and stuff like that. So I, like, it, it was my love out of guitar that um got me into so much stuff so like i'm into total like a bunch of different types of metal so i started out like with the heavy stuff with like thrash metal so like metallica anthrax slayer megadeth i actually have like an autographed anthrax poster in my room right here i'll just get up and show it to you so right Listener, listeners he's showing me a poster yeah <laughs> right yeah so it's like bam so i'm like anthrax exodus dude that's right just municipal waste, all these like heavy bands. So that's, that's just how I got into it. And just went through a rabbit. I would just go on rabbit holes on um, YouTube. And I got like really into death metal too. Like I was listening to like cannibal corpse and death and like a lot of stuff. So I listened to kind of wide array of stuff. And like the whole country thing is like, yeah, we got like some, <laughs> some, pig squeals or whatever like so yeah, i'm a former vocalist i can do stuff yeah that's <laughs> i could never do the i'm more of like an obituary kind of oh yeah okay yeah i like the obituary but like but i like i like yeah. what you said not to cut you off too much there but i like what oh, you yeah. said like you had to ease into it mm -hmm. um like you got progressively heavier well, yeah, yeah, dude, like, exactly. I don't know any one person in, that just jumped into the deep end, and I love that people 
the metal scene for anybody that doesn't know, and I'll, I'll talk about this later, but they're pretty cynical. <laughs> yeah, like oh, the, oh yeah. dude that band is so derivative of this band uh they were doing right. that like 15 years ago myself included um but yeah, like one exactly. of the things that people would like deny is like that they ever liked bands like slipknot or corn or lincoln park or any of that stuff to like no dude i was always only into like kill switch engage and uh black yeah. dolly murder and like that's what i started listening to i'm like yeah so you were six and you just started listening to Black Dahlia Murder. Shut yeah, exactly. up. Like everybody had to make that progression because it it, it it's it's abrasive. And, yeah, and at first sure. you don't <laughs> I remember the first time I heard a screaming band, uh, you know, really heavy, heavy metal band. I was like, what is this? <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> you have to kind of ease into it, you know, it's, it's a process. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, I know like I always thought it was kind of ridiculous how it's like the whole, like I was definitely a purist when it came to um, like metal and stuff. But like once you actually see it in action of people like grown men debating with themselves about like stuff, I'm like, dude, that's so, they're so, you know, like it takes the fun out of it. But like, no, I totally get that. It was, yeah, it was definitely an evolution for me because I remember like in, ninth grade or 10th grade or stuff like that i would hear like stuff with like guttural vocals i would say i would think i would never listen to anything like that but i mean give it give it a year or two down the road and like that's what I, that's what i was listening to and like if i'm in the like mainly if i'm in the gym now like i listen to a lot of this, that stuff but i still listen to, you know i listen to a country in there like i don't know like i just i just i just don't limit to my, limit myself to like really anything so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, an awesome way to end these conversations just to keep it like on a real positive uh, note and to also, you know, discuss and see the many, excuse me, the many different things that have inspired people and like the different, you know, different people that have inspired in different ways. And as a country music, um, as a country musician in general, who are some of the people that have specifically inspired you in that genre, regardless if it's like another artist, uh, your parents, yeah. anybody that drove you uh, to be passionate or influenced you to be passionate about that thing? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely uh, my influence to start out was like, so my grandparents are Baptist and I grew up in the Baptist church and like, um, so I would see a lot of gospel and everything like that. And since it's Baptist, you kind of have that kind of like Southern, thing going on. So I definitely like identify like with that. So, um, just like, like seventies, like Southern rock and, uh, and like a lot of people, um, sometimes it's not even like the music as much. And I definitely have to like them like as, um, you know, musically, but when it comes to like the attitude, um, you know, I really like that a lot too. So like a dude like Co Wetzel out of Texas, he's pretty big now. It's like, he has a band that has like his guitarist is, comes from a metal um, background. Like he wears like a, what's that? It's like a deathcore band. I think like Parkway Drive Parkway, or Parkway Drive. Yeah, uh, Parkway. They're not really deathcore. They've, they've really gotten soft now, but gotcha. okay. they're still pretty heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he, he wear it like, you know, he Co, Co is definitely considered country, but like, his guitarist is wearing a shirt like that. He comes from that background. It definitely comes to the sound. Um, awesome. Sturgis Simpson, 
Tyler Childers, um, just like these dudes who definitely just like stand for something. And I think Sturgill a lot too. Like, I mean, he's a dude that's into so many things. So he puts out an a- anime this year coinciding with his album. Oh, no and, shit. Yeah. It's, yeah. That there, um, yeah. That there's a, it's on Netflix and it's just like, basically it's his album put to this insane anime. Like, so yeah, you should definitely check that out. But well, just and, people, and he covered Nirvana. That was one of the things that kind of drew me into him. I was like, oh, oh this yeah. is interesting. So. Yeah, and he, and he changed one line in that cover, and he made it like a totally different, had a totally different meaning. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, just anybody that just like goes out and kind of does what they want, just like in any any art form. I mean, like I see Sturgill Simpson and Tyler Childers and all those guys have the same attitude as somebody like a. Uh, like 1990s Kevin Smith when he was just making clerks by himself, you know, like that might seem like a weird kind of comparison, but um, just people that just have a vision and just want to go do it. That that's what, that's what definitely inspires me. Just people that have something that they believe in and they just go just like tooth and nail. and want to get it done. So, yeah. No, I think that's, that's a beautiful and very apt comparison is like, you know, if, uh, if any of you guys are podcast fans at all and you haven't checked out any of the stuff that Kevin Smith's doing, he's he's not wrong. Kevin Smith has a very, uh, this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it. I mean, he makes movies like right. Tusk. If you haven't seen Tusk, it's ridiculous, but it's fun. Uh, yeah. People either love it or hate it. And his movies have always been that way. And I think the it spans across multiple mediums of art. Graffiti artists. Graffiti artists are very uh, grassroots type people. Obviously, their their art is not going to be in a museum. That's really right. against the point. Even the most famous uh, graffiti artist on the planet, Banksy, you know, is very against that. Like he's like, I, this is for everybody. I hate the fact that it's a museum setting for you to be able to see art. You have to pay and go to this specific building. Art should be all around you. And these musicians understand that. That's that's one thing about of the beauty of, about stripping it down. They don't need a PA. Yeah. They don't need anything but uh, somebody to listen to create an audience, a guitar in themselves. That's it. Yeah. So there's a beauty in that. And all really Kevin Smith needed was a couple people that were willing to participate. One camera because he did, he, he jokes on himself all the time. He's like, "Hey, you fat fuck, why don't you move the camera?" Because uh, he does a lot okay. of stationary shots. But mm-hmm. it works. It works. It, it it didn't matter. It was about the the camaraderie and the the banter between the people, and it was very very minimal. And he, he took it and and stripped it down and made something awesome, like with clerks. So yeah, dude, that's a beautiful comparison. I love that. And um, I know with uh with Corona getting, uh, it's probably not much for you to share that you got coming up. Um, do, do you have a band page or a page that people can go check out for stuff that you will have coming up in the future? I hope once. We get let out of this whole craziness. Yeah, yeah. So just uh, Kyle Tipton Music is a Facebook page. I also have an Instagram, and uh, I've been posting uh, stuff there, kind of like spor- sporadically this whole thing. So I've been writing. I'll probably have an original song um, up there soon, if not like in the next week. So um, yeah. So I mean, you know, I post there, and then uh, yeah. So Kyle Tipton Music, if you want to check that out, and once. Uh, if everything gets back to some sort of normal, then keep things updated with shows there and stuff. But, uh, you know, of course we will, we'll, we will see what happens. We'll see what happens. Beautiful dude. 
Well, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me, man. It's it's awesome. I, I love having these conversations with artists and musicians and really kind of getting to dive in and, you know, just see the things that are, you know, the reasons that people do things and how they feel about it. I think it's beautiful and, uh, keep it up, man. I think you're doing, a, uh, you're growing. I see you do things on Instagram and every time I see it, I'm like, man, that's, that's good. That's solid. You get better oh. all the time, dude. It's, it's legit. Yeah. So yeah, man, I appreciate you. Um, take it easy. Stay safe, brother. All right. Thanks, man. Dude. Thank you for having me on. My second guest for this week's episode is Kelsey Lee. She is a teacher, musician, artist, and an absolute inspiration. During our conversation, we delve into her struggles with depression and anxiety. She discusses how music is her positive outlet and wonderful coping mechanism. Again, I'm going to share one of her tunes from her band Southern Sirens to send us off into our chat. This song is called Work of Art.
am Kelsey Lee. I am an artist, educator, and I play with the Southern Sirens, Krogan's Crossing, and Bungalow Betty. She's a busy gal. <laughs> you can say that. Yeah, no doubt. And um, we were talking a little bit before we kicked this thing off just how difficult uh, it has to be. Um, how how are you coping with not being able to go out with these multiple bands and do these live performances during you know all of this COVID stuff? It is so crazy. So at first, at first it was really devastating and it was just really, I'm, I'm clinically depressed and I have high anxiety. So at first, you know, through the roof, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do because being a drummer and a percussionist, I play with everyone. And I was out playing multiple times a week in bars every weekend, teaching kids all week, every week. And then for it to just all completely stop. But then it kind of was a blessing in disguise because it kind of, so I graduated from IUS with my teaching degree, an elementary education teaching degree. So it kind of made me have to get creative again and kind of pull old tricks out of my hat and be able to invent some new things of what to do and how to express myself. Yeah, I think that's been that's probably been one of the positive gains to come out of this is that the artistic people and the creative souls have found new ways and new mechanisms in which to create. And if you look on YouTube and you look on Instagram and you're seeing these different ways that these artists are finding uh, ways to stay in that process, I guess partially to stay sane uh, because it's going to be somewhat For me it is. <laughs> right. Um, you have bands like um, Amos Lee is playing. He's one of our favorite people. He's been playing. One of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. Every week he's playing. Uh, the Head and the Heart are playing like once a week. Jack Johnson's done a bunch of free stuff mm -hmm. uh, online. And a I bunch just got of finished with Postmodern Jukebox. They're oh, 50 prom. So good. It was amazing. My yes. fiance and I dressed up. You know, we got all the pets involved. It was great. Yeah. It's such a... So, there are some really creative, cool things coming out of this because um, I myself am an extreme extrovert. Um, and this podcast itself has helped me kind of get through this because it gives me an excuse to lock somebody down at a specific time and say, hey, you have to talk to me for an hour. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's given me the opportunity to be social because, you know, working in education, I had my students to talk to every day. I had 150 ears that I could use. Uh, some willing, some not. <laughs> right. And I had teachers in the hallway. I had my assistant principals. There was always an ear that I could grab at any point during the day. And, uh, you know, I'm here with my wife uh, and we have a roommate now, but it's not something that they're always willing to just drop everything and listen to my whatever. <laughs> so it, it gets difficult. And you can only talk to the same two people about this different stuff for so long. So, right. It, I, f I find I've love hearing the stories of how people are getting through. And, um, and unfortunately some people aren't as blessed, uh, to find those mediums. And I hope that maybe something like this or, you know, find a good show on Netflix or something that helps you escape, go on a walk, you know, go right. out with some sunshine and, um, hopefully you get through this. Okay. Um, cause I know it's tough. Well, and that was, uh, one of the first drum lessons or the free lessons that I gave out at the very beginning of the pandemic is 
if you don't have a drum set, that's completely fine. Let me teach you how to make your own drum set out of whatever you have in your house. Like you can go outside, get some rocks, get a pan, get a bucket, get, I mean, you can make your own drum. You don't have to have money. You don't have to have, you just have to have a brain and get creative with things. And that's what people are kind of realizing now is like, you don't have to have the perfect thing to start this project. Like as long as you just get creative with it, think outside of the box. Yeah. I think that's, that's beautiful. Like, and if anybody's listening to this, you don't need a microphone, you don't need an audio interface. You have a phone probably. Uh, and a lot of the applications uh, can be downloaded for free and you can record so many podcasts a month for free. So if this is something that you thought you should do, you could do that as well. Uh, and they'll polish it out um, on a phone, like in the app, it'll compress it and do a bunch of things and it doesn't sound half bad. Ooh, that's fancy. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that portion of it, when it mixes it down for you and stuff, that costs a little bit of money. Um, yeah. But if you're cool with the raw audio, there's several different uh, things. CastBox does one. Uh, that's one that I really yeah. enjoy. So you can do that too. And I think that you, you bring up a great point. I've seen some damn good drummers that are street drummers beating on buckets. And yep. amazing. You're just like, Jesus Christ. That was incredible. Yep. You know, I'm going to throw you a $5 bill. That was amazing, you know? And uh, I think that's a great point. And getting creative like that is important, you know? I think it's really, really important. And especially not to just kind of give up and give in. But, I mean, it's kind of a daily decision I have to make with clinical depression is, like, am I going to fight this or am I going to let it fight me? Like, how am I going to do this? So it's kind of this pandemic relates a lot to my depression in a way just of choosing to fight and keep choosing to find a way to make light in a dark situation. Yeah, that, that that's a great way to look at it. And, um, you know, my wife, she suffers from anxiety and, uh, she's really struggling through all this, you know, because some days that, you know, she'll just be here and nothing's different. she's just like, I'm, it's, I'm having a hard time breathing. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's hard for me because I, I don't deal with that. And, um, so I, I can't necessarily relate, but all I can do is be here, you know? And so if you are one of those people and you have somebody that's around you, don't be afraid to talk to them about it. Cause we, sure. yeah, we may not understand, but I'm certainly going to listen and I'm going to try and help however I can. Even if it's like last night, she was having a, a rough day and I've been pretty obsessed with this podcasting stuff. I'm not going to lie. And then I have work to do for school and grading and things of that nature, but I put all that on hold and spent the night with her and just being there and being in her presence was enough. Yeah. God, well, and sometimes know. like for, especially for me, I don't know exactly how to explain. And that's where music helps me. I can't think of words of, I mean, it's anxiety is the craziest thing playing in front of 3000 people or, you know, playing a big show gives me zero anxiety, but standing in the grocery store waiting for my turn or waiting at a red light, I, my stomach is turning, like I'm ready to vomit, just like sitting there waiting. It's just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? It's just, anxiety is the craziest thing. So it's actually really nice to just have someone there because my fiance, he'll just sit there sometimes with me and I don't know what to say. I don't know how to explain it, but he just knows just chilling out or maybe listening to an album or a podcast. I mean, it really, really, really helps. Yeah. And, uh, uh, the medium of which we use to 
calling my wife last night. If you guys haven't seen it yet, I think it's just a real nice slice of happiness. Uh, it's a little show called Magic for Humans. And um, it's kooky. It's, he actually has a uh, section in it called uh, Dad Tricks. And they're yeah. all dad tricks because they're punchlines. They're dad jokes. So the trick ends up in a dad joke and it's just so fun. And it's, and it's, and it made me cry. He had an episode about his mom. His mom is uh, suffering from um, Alzheimer's and he was doing magic oh. for her. Woo. It just woo, uh, put me out there, but it's beautiful. And maybe I'm a nerd from liking magic, but it's just something I, I grew up with my dad and we watched it together. So, and my wife knows that and she loves that, you know, I'm into that and we enjoyed the shit out of it. Uh, or Ben Platt, a mad plug. You're welcome. Netflix, uh, Ben Platt just dropped, uh, live at radio music city hall or radio, uh, city music hall. Uh, Oh, MG. Uh, it's the, I, I really miss going to live concerts. Yeah. And that feels authentically live. Just crank that bitch as loud. Oh, as I can't wait oh, so to play good. those two now. Damn it. It's so good. He did a cover by Brandy Carlisle. Oh, be still my heart. It was amazing. Um, oh. yeah, it was fantastic. And music is one of those things that, um, has always soothed my soul. You know, I sing in the shower and, you know, I'm into musicals and I performed a little bit and was in a band and, you know, I went over all this shit before people are like, shut up. But dude, <laughs> music is everything to me. It, it will encompass every emotion I could ever have. And sometimes I, I need a good cry and sometimes I need to smile. Like if, if you're a human being and you put on Pharrell's happy and you don't get happy, oh, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like There's something just not connected. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're not tapping your foot, like even somebody who's like a paraplegic, not to get too dark, but you know, they're just like, their foot just starts tapping. You're like, I see it. <laughs> or the walking on sunshine song. That's <sighs> my other song. Sitting Can't on the dock of the bay. At the end of it, I am just whole body <laughs> dancing. like <laughs> As you should. Bruno Mars, pick a track. You know, if yes. you're tapping your foot, you know, if he comes in, you know, to my hustlers, players. I mean, if you're not just, you know, putting your pinky to the moon, like, what are you doing with your life? You know? Um, so, you know, I met him, right? I did. I saw that. So. He smells really good. <laughs> He's short. <laughs> I love that that's I, what you went to. He smells really good. What's he smell like? Tell us. It's just like this fresh, Ooh. like I thought for sure it Slower. would be an over cologne smell, but it's just kind of like a fresh out of the shower, clean dude. He's just really nice. How did, how did you meet him? Was it just like a backstage thing or? So it was Congo 14 Southern Sirens. I was playing with Anna Blanton and Emmy Bodner. And we, we, um, we opened for him at Congo 14. And it was us in the Temptations review. And then it was Bruno Mars and his crew. And before the show, we got to meet him and all of his crew, his drummer, his backup singers, his performers, and then Muhammad Ali and his wife were in the room. Um, and it was all Donald from the Muhammad Ali Center. He put it all together, put this whole festival together. It was incredible. 
That's amazing. It was, yeah. it was awesome. And that's exactly what I'll tell people. I'll be like, I heard Bruno Mars smells good. He know. smells really good. <laughs> not like Axe. No, not at all. Not that cheap no, stuff. No, not, no. It wasn't that overpowering Axe. Yeah. It's like you walked into Lush in the men's section. Is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> that's phenomenal. Um, well, I like to kick out these conversations um, with the idea or the question of what are some of the preconceived notions people might have about you? or the misconceptions that people have about you as a musician? So having rainbow hair, being a girl, and I guess always looking at the world like in a positive way or like, you know, being present and smiling, people always think, A, I'm happy and I have everything together. And that's really annoying. It's really, really annoying. Um, it's just the way that I choose to carry myself out in public or like if I don't know you that well, you know, I'm not going to dive into a conversation of like, hey, my dog just died today. You know, like <laughs> what kind of conversation is hey, that? Like, if you're a country singer, you would. How dare you? <laughs> correct. Correct. <laughs> After I went and wrote a song about it. <laughs> but um, that along is with being a musician, it's, it's always fun. It's not work. It's not really hard. You know, it's, you're just partying all the time, sex, drugs, rock and roll. And that is not the case at all. You sacrifice a lot being a musician and kind of putting all your eggs in the performing and being an artist basket. And it's a lot of, it's a lot more than what people realize, I think. Uh, yeah, um, I can tell you right now, I haven't been in a rock band, a heavy metal band, uh, where those assumptions are like exponentially higher. They're like, oh, dude, that's all you do, right? And you sacrifice goats and you drink baby's blood, whatever craziness that they think that we did. I never even drank, not one show, because I knew that I was ex going to exert a lot of stuff on my voice. And yeah. me drinking, I could do real damage to my voice because I wouldn't feel some of those things. And it, a lot of singers have done that. Uh, Adele, That's uh, true. Adele had yeah. major throat damage to herself because she wasn't singing properly and right. absolutely amazing. Don't get it twisted. That's not what I'm saying. But right. when you're doing that night in and night out, uh, I saw a guy named Todd Recall who was doing a one man show for straight out of Oz. And if you guys haven't heard that, go check it out. It's amazing. Uh, but he like was a one man show and he was singing every single song, like a musical, imagine a musical and he's singing every song. That's, that's an immense exertion on your voice. And if you don't train properly and you're singing too hard on some of those songs, you're going to be done. And by the end of that show, not that he sounded bad, but I knew that he was tired. You could hear it. And so I was really mindful of that stuff. Like I didn't, and I normally didn't, party too hard you know if we had like multiple shows in a row and we would practice three to four times a week um mm -hmm. for three or four hours uh when we were writing our own material and it's a lot of damn work yeah um, we didn't just show up to shows if you wanted to be any good now there will be some of those people that do do that correct That's correct and it shows <laughs> and it shows um i'm not trying to throw shade but if you're not putting in the work and you're showing up playing shows just know that we all know. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think you bring up some great points. Uh, and that stuff is annoying. And I think I like that you share that just because you're happy on the outside doesn't mean, you know, and a lot of people, you don't realize they're introverted either. 
Mm-hmm. They do put on that facade because they know that that's what's expected of them. Unfortunately, uh, right. in society, we just don't, uh, we don't have time for people. Why are you so shy? Um, and it's easy to do that, you know, and I, I try not to do that with my students uh, because you do have kids that are just shy and they're shy for a multitude of reasons. And, you know, being like, would you just talk? Come on. It's so <laughs> stupid that you don't want to talk. You know, you can nudge them a little bit, you know, be like, you know, you're going to need this skill. But I think as a society, we're, we're rough on that. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, so I know you've been doing this for quite a while. And you're pretty active. You know, you're listed like 73 bands that you're in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So during your career and during your experience in music, how have you noticed it change not only for yourself, but from what you see on the outside looking into music as a whole? Okay. So I started when I was in kindergarten I joined the Fabulous Leopard Percussionist because it was at King Elementary at my school at the time. And then, so we were already traveling to Chicago, Florida, performing at basketball games. And then as I went to middle school, high school, I dove into more reading and the more strict part of music. And it's been a crazy, crazy journey seeing how in the beginning it was just cassettes, CDs, you know, your albums, and you you would have to go to the studio or you would have to find a way to record it to then release it to friends or something. And that was the way that we got music or mixed CDs around to friends. That was the way that we got to share our music. And then Pandora came out. And then that was kind of the big thing of like, you could go somewhere where all kinds of music would just come out and you didn't have to have all of the cassettes or albums in your, in your household. And then you fast forward to maybe 10 years ago, maybe five years ago, where like SoundCloud, all of these outlets with social media come out to where you can produce music in hundreds of different ways. You can let it out in, Whatever different way. I mean, there's so many different outlets and ways to reach out to music. It's insane. And it used to be so small and so easy, I guess. Like, it was just kind of a, you do this, then you do this, and then you do this. And then now it's kind of, if you have any kind of gear or any kind of recording in your house, you're good to go. Like, you can put it up on SoundCloud tonight. You could put it up. There is no waiting. You don't have to wait up for the boot up, dial up internet to where it takes you 50 hours or three days to upload one song or something crazy. I mean, it's just the way music has evolved. And I don't know about you, but for me, it being able to log in on Spotify every week and go into like the new release Friday or whatever. It's nice, I'm, and I'm excited that it tells me when the groups are coming out uh, with albums that I enjoy or whatever. Um, but it used to be that I kept up with all that, and I built excitement on it. And now there's so much that's coming out that I can't keep up. And back in the day, like I used to go to Meyer at midnight because Meyer would have the uh, the not the parental advisory versions. Of the yes. music, Walmart didn't sell it, so I would be waiting at Meyer at twelve oh one 
they would literally cut the boxes open and hand me a CD, you know, and I, w- I was so excited. Like that level of excitement was something that uh, I looked forward to. And then the CD went in on the car ride home and then yeah. uh, went in the CD player on the way to school in the morning and I just wore it out. And now it's really hard for an album to grip me in that same way um, because there is so much. Yes. And it's good in a way. Like I I like the fact that I could sit here. I don't have to leave tomorrow. I don't have to do squat and I have 10,000 new albums, but I don't know what, I don't know what the end result. I feel the same way. I feel the exact same way. It there, there was just something about that buildup of, it was even a big thing when we got the CD cassettes that we could walk around with them or like Walkmans. Like that was a big deal, being able to walk around and listen to music and even like play a CD and walk around. Like, you know, the excitement of, and now it's just kind of really, really, really taken for granted in a way, I think. And I, I really miss that excitement of the buildup of albums coming out or like, you know, uh, Elton John's coming out with this album in this month. Now it's like surprise drop album last night. And then you're just day listening to something and you're like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea they were even like Jack Carlo. Every morning I wake up, he's probably dropping a new album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I just found out he's on a new Scooby-Doo movie. He's right. just there. <laughs> Mad props to you, Jack. Glad that a like local boy is killing the game sleep on people these days. I know it's, it's so weird. And, uh, you know, it's good, you know, he can drop that. And then, you know, without any, any notice and that thing have 2 million views tomorrow, hundred percent, which is crazy. Um, and mad props love the guy. I think he's phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. A Louisville guy, uh, now living in Atlanta, but, uh, yeah, it's, they say that I read somewhere that the reason that, trips and vacations and experiences are so much better than like things is because when you plan a trip, you have all the excitement leading up to said trip. Then when you go on the trip, you enjoy being there and enjoy doing the things. And then when you come home, you have a lifetime of memories from said trip. Mm -hmm. Whereas you only get that, that dopamine uh, bump when you buy something, usually when you first buy it. And that's really it. Maybe the first or second time you wear it, you're like, oh man, I love this suit. It looks good. Right. And then it's over. But every time I talk about certain trips that I've taken, I get excited again just talking about it or reliving the concert experience or reliving how good Bruno Mars smelled. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> those are things that, you know, it's and before with music, you had that. You had that lead up. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, yes. And you waited for months. You're like, on August 2nd, I know this is supposed to drop. And I'm so right. Busy. And I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm old. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> well, and I think sometimes it's a little too easy for some people to let out music. Because in my opinion, to go from listening to Queen, Melissa Etheridge, you know, Jack Johnson, to now these four bar chord songs and you say the same thing, like through the whole chorus, it's like one or two words. To me, music has just kind of gone downhill and the expectations 
Because when you go back and listen to like Stevie Wonder and people who really put time and effort, not that these people are not putting time and effort into their albums, they totally are. I just miss how intricate music used to be and not so just kind of cranking it out. Okay, let's just get it going. Yeah. And that's probably a lot of the, there's something to be said. There can be some negatives. Don't get it twisted. Just ask the people in Motown uh, of what some of the bad things in music can be. I do understand that. But when you get people who are producers like Rick Rubin and, and, you know, some of the greats like that, they're great because they've been doing it for a very long time. Uh, you look at people like Timbaland, uh, you know, one of the better producers on the planet, Dr. Dre. Um, mm-hmm. These guys are going to come in and crank out hits every time because they know what the hell they're doing. They've been doing it day in and day out, and they've been obsessed with it. Um, and then it's cool that you can get these people that are at home rocking on their computer. They just downloaded a thing that they can create some beats, and they hook up a microphone and drop a track. That's still cool. Don't get it twisted. Right. Um, but I think that there you can see the difference. There is a divide there where you're seeing what a professional can do and you, you see somebody who's doing it as a hobby can do, but that's a great starting point. And I'm not, yes. I would never do that because you got to start somewhere. Um, you do. And I think the difference is now that that can jump to a mass medium and there's no intermediary. Whereas before you had to like build it up. Like you had to work your way through the ranks before people were going to hear your music on a grand scale. Could be good. There's pros and cons to that. So it's just interesting. hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, but I'm with you, you know, and and it's all personal. It's very subjective into the things that we're into. And we're also from a different generation. You know, my students, uh, that's the, the uh, incredible thing about being a teacher and you probably see this too uh, are the things that the kids are into and you kind of get to see like what their opinions are on it and the things that they're enjoying. And then, you know, you try to get inside of why they like this and so on and so forth. And sometimes you get it. Sometimes you don't like Billy. Yeah. Billy Eilish. I can get with that. She's pretty cool. You know? Okay. So I have to admit at first, when she first came out, I was a complete hater. I was just like, <laughs> no way. This is so dumb. She's putting this whole facade on. There's no way she's this emo, this and that. <laughs> then I was like, okay, I can't be angry at someone I don't know. So then I started kind of digging around into her, listening to some interviews. And to know that she, what is it, like Tourette's that she has? Mm-hmm. And how her brother, how they use like crosswalk. Uh, sounds in their music and just how cool they are and down to earth she is and how she's just like, I don't want anyone to try to be me. I want them to be them and be their original cool selves. Like I'm just trying to say like, embrace your weirdness, embrace your, so I am now a huge Billie Eilish fan, but (laughs) yeah. And I think there's several people that are are pushing that same um, that same commentary, that same thought. Like Sia, uh, who won't she won't show her face. Uh, she lets the music speak for itself, uh, and she has basically that same kind of idea where you know be creative. Uh, of course, Lady Gaga, like the queen of I'm gonna do what I oh, want. Oh yeah, uh, and just so talented, it's insanity. Um, 
So yeah, I definitely appreciate. I think that there's, you know, there's always going to be people that are going to be doing the hard things, you know, and really pushing the envelope and saying, you know, whatever the status quo is, be damned. Uh, and I'm going to do what I want because I want to do it. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, there's, don't get it twisted. There's still a ton of people making great music. Um, Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. The head and the heart. God damn it. They're so good. Um, and you well, know, I really like Sam Smith and oh, Demi Lovato yes. and their, their stories, their rawness and just, I can't imagine being in a spotlight and having all of your problems open to the world. I just, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, nope. I mean, I don't have a ton of crap that I would be too embarrassed by, but you know, maybe my Ben and Jerry's addiction. Not everybody needs to know that. But they would make something. They would be like, "Oh, he likes the grasshopper Ben and Jerry's." Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> it would become a, a story on a magazine somewhere. Be like, he eats cereal in his boxers. You're like, so doesn't everybody? You just get off my back. Like, so stupid. Checks the mail in his house shoes. Like, oh my god. Can you believe that? <laughs> get a life, Jesus. So, uh, I'm intrigued to know. Um, just how you got inspired to be a musician. Like you said, it started early, but where was there a turning point that you knew you were going to take it more serious rather than just like being involved? Because when you're young, you know, it's, it's easy to just kind of do what your parents take you to do and so on and so forth. When did it click for you or why or who, what was the turning point that really went, this is going to be the thing. You know, that's a, really funny question because my soul has always been I've been a sports player as well all along and I've played basketball and soccer and volleyball but music has always kind of won my heart over or music has always kind of called me back I there was a time in fourth grade I remember um, Lionel Hampton came to Louisville Kentucky and he is this incredible vibraphone player. And I think I was, I was in like fourth grade and I came home and I was like, mom, we got, I need a ticket to the palace. It's this guy. He's coming, he's touring. His name's Lionel Hampton. And my mom's like, there's no way in hell I'm going to give you a ticket to the palace. Like you're not going to the palace. And I'm like, this is, this is Lionel Hampton. It's his last concert. I mean, he was up there. He was like in his nineties. And to be able to meet him and just, I mean, the people that I've met and being, going to places like my mom grew up in Africa, going there and playing music there, every place that I've been, it's kind of been like a checkpoint along the way of like, it feeds my soul. And it's like, yes, this is what I need. Like, this is where I belong. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like connecting people with music, helping children with music learning about this when I went to Havana. I mean, it was a whole new inspiring trip where I was just like, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to start being a full-time teacher. Maybe it's time to get a real job. (laughs) And then going and taking that trip, I fell in love with music all over again. I'm like, wait, there's still so much to learn. And I want to learn all of this. And I just get inspired, re-inspired every day with music and falling in love with it all over again. Yeah. I think 
that's kind of the beauty of it. There is so much that you can do. It's, it's, it's so multifaceted. It's multi-generational. I mean, everybody Uh can get into something uh, unless they're maybe a sociopath. I don't know those people that tell you they don't like music. This podcast is all about inclusion, but you're weird. (laughs) You know, I'm like, you don't not, not one song. They have to like one song. Yeah. Well, it's like the jingle from like a commercial and you're like, what the, what is, that's it. That's the only song you like. Yeah, dog, that State Farm commercial is my jam. And you're like, oh, oh. Yeah. all right, bro. Like, uh, You know, I could teach you that in two seconds, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, no. yeah. What? Be like, blow your mind. Um, I skipped this question, and I did not mean to. Um, with you having done so much, I was also very curious as to what thing you would deem to be your greatest achievement. What What is the thing that, was either like the dopest experience for you, the thing that you'll remember forever. I know you already shared your Bruno Mars experience and sniffing his. So DMV. that was a big moment. Um, getting to open for Bruno Mars and play for him and Muhammad Ali. That was a really big moment. And then the next weekend, we actually got to play again for like Common, and it was the Humanitarian Awards and uh, Emmy. Anna and I had the children's choir backing us and we sang the Mariah Carey song hero. (laughs) And there were all of these famous people in the audience, like for the Congo 14 and humanitarian festival. So that was incredible. But then there was this time where, so a friend and I arranged crazy train with the Louisville Leopards when I was assisting directing the Louisville Leopards and we taught the Leopards crazy train. We're like, these kids need to learn a really cool Aussie song. And five years after that, I guess Aussie's family saw the video on YouTube. They send a check to the Louisville Leopards for $10,000 and they're like, God bless. We love what you're doing. Keep rocking out. Yada, yada, yada sent the letter, did that. Then a few years after that, Kelly calls because she wants to surprise her dad with the percussion group that played Crazy Train. Well, the kids that played Crazy Train were like 10 years ago, like they've already retired from the program. So we had to teach these kids Crazy Train in two and a half weeks, I believe it was. They had two and a half weeks to learn Crazy Train. And we went to Tennessee. We went to Nashville, the opera, the opera, man, I can't believe, I can't remember the name. But so Ozzy, Jack, Kelly, Kelly's dog, they all came through the curtain. And so the kids are like, tweet, tweet, all aboard. <laughs> and then they start crazy train and it, I mean, it gave me goosebumps that to see something that I, I had thought in my brain of come to life, not only come to life and these kids are rocking out and they're loving what they're doing. That's, that was like the initial goal, but the icing and the cherry on top to see Ozzy crying to his song I mean, that just, I think that's probably one of the best moments 
so far in my career to see Ozzy cry. (laughs) (laughs) How could you do that to the man that bites heads off bats? How could you do that? I thought he was a devil worshiper. He's metal. (laughs) Again, those misconceptions. Um, Yeah, that's that's incredible. Like um, there is like a certain satisfaction that you take um, when you're able to see something come to fruition that you knew that you had a part in uh, with your students, you know, and I see that in the classroom every day. And that's one of the reasons we put up with, you know, a lot of the stress and some of the harder days because you see those moments and you literally sit back right. and go to yourself, I did that. Like, I know that they're doing this because I taught of it. Uh, and Or those light bulb moments <sighs> where you just see it in the kid. Yeah. Makes it worth it. Yeah. 100%. And, yeah. And uh, I kind of um, admire my wife because she gets to see that on a daily basis. You know, she's working with first graders. Um, so her light bulb moments are, you know, three times a week. And my light bulb moments for a bunch of jaded high school kids is like two times a year. And, uh, you know, where they're actually like, I didn't know that. And I like that. And then you see them do whatever they're going to do with it. Cause before that, they're like, I know it. I know everything. You're like, okay, yeah. all right, dude. Cool. All right. Well, I'll just sit back here. It's perfect. I'll just sit back here at my desk and watch sports center or whatever. Like you already know it. Well, we're good. We're Gucci. Right. Um, yeah, that's a fantastic story. Um, I would really appreciate you giving me your time, Kelsey. Uh, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. Um, yeah, so good to see you. The whole COVID thing, uh, keeping everybody inside on lockdown. And uh, is there anything that uh, I know that it's going to be difficult for you to promote anything right now because everything's on hiatus? Uh, is there anywhere that people can see some of the music that you're doing? Uh, do you have a YouTube channel? Anything you'd like to promote? So my YouTube channel, Kelsey Lee Drums, or my website, KelseyLeeDrums.Weebly.com, I have all kinds of quarantine fun collabs that I've been doing with people and then free drum lessons for people and kids who are interested in learning. I think my next one is spoons. I'm teaching how to play the spoons. Right so on. if anyone's interested in learning percussion. Yeah, if you're trying to be the next hot bluegrass band, that would be the video to watch. Like, 100%. We're going to be the next Mumford and Sons. I love <laughs> it. Perfect. All right, Kelsey. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.